as I was trying to be silent, I noticed my calendar. There's November 2021. It's almost February 2022. <laughs> yep. Yep. That seems, that tracks. Yep. yep. I'm doing great. Okay. Hello. I'll this be your is... huckleberry. Yeah, you will. The Witch's Magic yep. Murder Mystery Podcast. I'm Kara. And I'm Megan. Hello. And this is a Sonic beverage day. <laughs> it's it. much needed. Mm. We're not sponsored by Sonic, but we would love to be. If you want to, Sonic. I mean, Kara knows when I need a cherry vanilla Coke. I do. I get a cherry vanilla Dr. Pepper. She gets a cherry vanilla Coke, and I usually get us pastries that day. Or a sandwich of some sort, and we're golden. Perfect. Okay. I wanted to mention, did you see that they've closed, officially closed, the Gabby Petito case? Oh my gosh, yes. I couldn't believe it. For one, I couldn't believe how quickly we all stopped talking about it. Yeah. Which I guess is what always happens. A resolution. Everybody just... Oh, well, we were all outraged. Yeah. And there was all the conspiracy about, like, he wasn't really there. He's hiding on his his parents' parents house. And then all of a sudden... He's dead, too. And... Because the media tells us what to care about. So all of a sudden, she's not in the news, but somebody new is. And it's just like, Mm -hmm. oh, Gabby Petito. But in case you haven't heard, which by the time this episode comes out, probably everybody's heard. But they found... Yeah. Brian Laundry's notebook with his body, and in the notebook he had written his confession that he had strangled her, and then he died. They released his cause of death as a single gunshot wound to the head. It's just so unsatisfying. Yeah, you know that that's that that's what her parents have to deal with. I mean, his parents too. Yeah, both their parents. Although I'm, I mean, I don't want to be insensitive. His parents' ethics or questions. I just, on the other hand, everything I know about his parents, I learned from the media. So it's so true. Yeah, they tell us what to believe. Yeah. And the media, let's not forget, is a business. They want to sell. Yep. They want to get clicks. Yep. So somebody has to be the supervillain. But still, I'm just so sad that that's how it ended and that, you know, he escaped having to pay for her crime mm-hmm. or pay for her death. Yeah. It's all awful. And every time I see a picture of the two of them together, I think, ugh, they're so young. Yeah. And so stupid. She had so, yeah, like she had so many goals, but you're, she was stuck in that. Domestic she violence was just, victim. Mm-hmm. She was just a girl. Whirlwind. Doing whatever she thought she had to do to be loved. And it's yep. like. <clears throat> yep. Okay. So there's that. There's that, guys. And then um, there was also an update in the Murdaugh, the Alex Murdaugh case, mm-hmm. where they charged him with like 23 new all crimes. Like, I think a whole lot of things related things. to money and all the stuff that he. Yeah. Um. What's the word when you steal money from your job? Money loan? No. 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 Embezzlement. And, but, yeah, I was like, money laundering, that's not it. I mean, there probably was money laundering as well, but yeah, I his, didn't read the full his list. family like completely cut him off financially mm-hmm. and stuff. As another really sad, really sad case. It's yeah. like, how did this guy get here? He's from this really powerful like dynasty of oh family. God, yeah. And good Lord, his whole life is imploding. A hot mess Because he just thought he could get away with it forever. I don't know. And then what all is he responsible for? Exactly. I mean, did he kill... His wife and son? And nanny? Or housekeeper? Whatever. What was she? I think, okay. Uh, what's the word? Opinion? Opinion? Yeah. Conjecture? Allegedly. Allegedly. I think Paul, because he clearly had some sort of rage problem based on what I have heard and read in stories and everything. And I think he may have pushed that housekeeper down the stairs or something was weird. Or an owl got her. Obviously. You never can rule out the owl. Uh-uh. And then, you know, never. they covered it up. Yeah. Just like they covered up whatever happened to Steven, the guy who um, got, they said it was a hit and run, but oh, yeah, you yeah, could yeah. tell it was like he was um, beaten with a baseball bat. Yeah. 
And then the boat crash. I mean, just so many things. There's so many awful yeah. things in that yeah. case. If you guys aren't familiar with the Murdaugh Jump case, it. there's a lot. Oh, you can just Google Murdaugh and everything. Yeah. Out. And I, I think there's like at least one podcast that is solely devoted to it because yeah. there is so much. And they've also continued to deny him bail right. as they should. I mean, mm-hmm. he's going to go somewhere if he gets out or more people are going to die. Right. Or the other. Okay. I have a story today that was sent in by one of our listeners, Nikki. Hey, Nikki. Yeah. Um, Nikki is real active in our Facebook group, so you mm-hmm. might recognize her. And she had actually posted this in our Facebook group. She'd also sent us a message about it. So here's the message. This has it all. Murder, mystery, supernatural phenomena, and even underground tunnels and catacombs. Ooh, I love those. If you're ever in the area, I highly recommend a visit. Stay awesome, Nikki. Oh. I'll be honest. It was the underground tunnels and yeah, catacombs. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, mm-hmm. yep. Same. Gonna have to look this up. Yeah. Wait till you hear about them, too. Like, they're awesome. Okay. And she's not wrong. The story does have St. Louis. Okay. The story does have a little bit of everything. It's also, like, fairly intense at times. I messaged Kara last night, and I was just like, oh, my God. I hate this story. So much. Everyone's going to hate me for telling it to them. (laughs) And Nikki, that's not because it's a bad story. It's a good, like, it's a really fascinating story, but, man, it's sad. The details. Oh, it's sad. So trigger warning for suicide. It's okay if you can't listen to this. Right. Skip ahead. Or, or it's okay if you're in a, just a season of your life where you can't listen to it. You can come back later. Because yeah. it's a lot. I could say more at the end, but I'm just saying it's a lot. It's a lot. So if you're even like, mm, shall I listen to that? Go, ahead, go ahead and don't. It's just fine. Don't. We still love you and we'll be back Tuesday with another episode. Yeah. Um, all right. So if you're still going to stick around. Here we go. Here we go. All right. More time. <laughs> the limp mansion limp it's l-e-m-p limp. i'm positive it's like limp lamp but lamp. i'm from kentucky it's lamp and i'm gonna say limp i gotta try okay the limp mansion restaurant inn is known as one of the most haunted places in the united states and like i said it's located in st louis missouri how do we not know about this i don't know how we don't know about yeah. a lot of this yeah employees of the mansion have reported a piano that plays on its own <laughs> A candle on the mantle that will suddenly light up by itself. A drawer of a dresser that opens without anyone pulling it. Objects disappear from one place and reappear in another. Okay. Voices can be heard out of nowhere. (laughs) And the clip-clop of horses coming down the street can be heard regularly. Oh. A former waitress at the restaurant, Bonnie Strayhorn, tells this story. Early one morning, I was going through the house, making sure that everything was as it should be as the restaurant opened. When I noticed a dark-haired man seated at a table in what was originally the Limp family dining room. Hmm. He was facing away from me, so all I could see was the outline of his shoulders and head. And I was surprised to see someone in the restaurant so early. But, you know, it's an inn, so it's possible that someone had stayed and come down. So I asked him if he wanted a cup of coffee. He did not answer. And when I looked away for a moment to flip the light on, I turned around and he had vanished. She said it was impossible that anybody could have been there and then exited the room without her seeing because okay. there was only, like, one way to go. Okay. Um, she quit her job that day. Oh. <laughs> She's like, and I cannot do this. <laughs> I'm out. So you can tour the mansion. There's, like, historical tours or a haunted tour. So you can kind of decide Ooh. which track you want to go on. And you can also attend murder mystery dinner theater <gasps> there or Halloween parties. Okay, that's spooky. The owners of the mansion say that the ghostly activity can make it hard to keep employees, but they do their best. Inviting the public to stay the night and dine amongst the spirits. Ooh. I know. Like, listen. Have I, some spirits and dine with the spirits. Well, we, and now we're doing the marketing. But we, <laughs> you know, we do this podcast. So, like, I like creepy things. Yeah. 
I just have a lot of mixed emotions about this. Oh, no. I Well, you know me. I can't even do, like, Waverly. What is it? Yeah, Waverly. Waverly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we can talk about more after I tell you guys the history. But there's part of me that is just bothered by the sensationalism. Oh, yeah. Of come dine amongst the spirits. Because mm-hmm. once I tell you who these spirits are, you're going to yeah. be like, oh, oh, oh. Yeah. I just want to hug them. Oh, okay. no. They're tormented souls. Yeah, I mean... Ugh. So, mm-hmm. Johann Adam Limp. This is, we're going into the history, okay? Okay. Johann Adam Limp was born in Germany, but arrived in the United States in 1836, settling in St. Louis at 38 years old. Okay. He had a son who was one year old at the time that they came here. His mm-hmm. name was William. So, William was born in Germany, but he mostly grew up here. Okay. He opened a grocery store, A. Limp & Co., mm-hmm. where he sold all of the usual grocery store items. Okay. Plus his own beer. Now, he made his beer using a recipe that was handed down by his father. Oh. And this was German beer, which at the time was not a thing. Right. You know? So, or not a thing here. Yeah. So, by 1840, like, it was so popular that he formed the Western Brewery and focused exclusively on manufacturing and selling his beer. Oh. There was a large German population in the area. And then, like I said, plus it was such a new style of Mm -hmm. beer for people that Adam's beer was super popular. He was one of the very first brewers in the United States to produce German lager, which is a lot different from the typical English ales and porters being brewed in America at the time. His brewing business grew bigger and bigger, and he started using a cave in South St. Louis for storage because it was naturally cool. Mm-hmm. And, you know, back then they didn't have the mechanical refrigerator. Right. So it was the perfect temperature. temperature for brewing beer. Yeah. By the 1860s, there were 40 breweries in the St. Louis area who utilized those caves. Oh, how cool. But he's the one that started it. Like, he was the one that was smart enough to think, oh, we could just do that. This would be perfect. And if you've ever wondered why St. Louis is home, I mean, that's where the Budweiser is Mm -hmm. and things like that. There's so many big breweries there. It's because with those caves, it's a really perfect spot for them to get started. So, like I said, there were 40 breweries in the St. Louis area using those caves. And the Western Brewery, which was Adams, Mm -hmm. was one of the most successful. Right. So William, his son that I mentioned, he right. grew up and he went to school at St. Louis University and went on to work at his father's brewery before mm. he left and formed a partnership with a different brewer. Oh. He joined the army in 1861 and he got married at the end of the year. Okay. Adam became a millionaire. So he he made an incredible amount of money. Yeah. Um, his family was very wealthy by the time that he passed away in 1862. At that point, William returned to Western Brewery and now assumed the position of owner and operator. Okay. Two years later, a larger Western brewery was built above the caves that had been used for the storage. So these are the kind of the underground Mm -hmm. tunnels and things. Right. When William took over the company, he was really great at it. He had a really great mind for business. He knew what he was doing. He had all these plans. Western Brewery became the largest brewery in St. Louis, as well as the largest one-man-owned brewery outside of New York. Ooh. So he really... He did it. He knew what he was doing. Yeah. In 1876... William bought a 33-room home. 33 rooms. What on earth would you do? How? How do you do? With the intent to use it as his family's residence, as well as like an auxiliary office for the brewery, because it was right by the brewery. Okay. He immediately began renovations on the home to turn it into a Victorian showplace. So, more evidence of how smart he was. He was one of the very first to begin bottling beer in the same facility where he brewed it Mm -hmm. for efficiency's sake. And then in 1878, he installed the first refrigeration machine in an American brewery. And that led to him coming up with the idea of refrigerated railway cars. And that helped Western's beer become the first beer in the United States to be available nationwide. Like, he's just... 
doing it. Yeah. And how have we never heard of these people? Right. Soon, limp beer was sold around the world. Huh. In 1890, William and his family moved into the home he'd been renovating at 3322 De Menel Place mm-hmm. in St. Louis, mm-hmm. which became known as the Lent Mansion. The mansion was connected to the brewery by a series of underground tunnels and caverns called the Caves of St. Louis. Ooh. It was the same cave system that provided the perfect temperature for aging beer. The limps used the cave to walk to work each day. And later, when mechanical refrigeration became a thing, the caves were used for other purposes. Like oh. they had a, a theater, like a how cool, um, a natural auditorium, a theater, and a huge stone swimming pool what? that had wa- hot water piped in. <gasps> And then they said that for a time, the only way to access it was like this old spiral staircase that kind of went down into the ground, Mm -hmm. which just sounds beautiful and scary. So creepy. Yeah. So in 1892, Western Brewery became William J. Limp Brewing Company. And William's sons, Billy and Louie, ran the company along with William himself. Oh. Okay. By the mid-1890s, Limp Brewery had introduced the popular Mm -hmm. Falstaff beer. F-A-L-S-T-A-F-F. It's still brewed today by another company. So if you've heard of it, here it is. And also, I apologize if I mispronounced it. Yep. I mean, I always do that. No, 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 no. Megan's right 100% about pronunciation. Yeah, maybe maybe they're saying they're wrong and Mm. they just need to be corrected. At the same time that he was building the Limp Empire, William also helped Pabst, like PBR, Mm -hmm. Anheuser, and Bush get started. He was yeah big deal. He was a big deal. Yeah. His whole family, big deal. Mm-hmm. William and his wife, Julia, had nine children. Mm-hmm. One of them died in infancy, so this left eight. Here's the thing. Some articles I read said six children, right. and I can't figure it out. I looked. I mean, you all can see the source list. There's a million articles, and some say six, and some say eight. And it drives me crazy. Where are the two? Yeah. Because some articles refer to this daughter, and some don't. So I don't know. Oh. But I'm going with eight, because okay. the article yeah. I trusted the most said eight. Okay, so the children were in order from oldest to youngest. Anna, Billy, Louis, Charles, Frederick, Hilda, Edwin, and Elsa. It was the fourth son, Frederick, that William had hoped to groom to take over the company. He was William's favorite, and it was like no secret. But on December 12th, 1901, Frederick died of heart failure at the Lent Mansion. He was 28 years old. Oh, my gosh. He had never been... And very good health. Oh. I never saw like what it is mm-hmm. that he had, but they just said it was heart failure related Some to his disease. Okay. He was William's favorite. Mm-hmm. And so when Frederick died, it was just devastating right. to the Lemp family. Little did they know Frederick's death would be the first in what would turn out to be a long line of tragic deaths in the family. This was followed by the death of William's best friend on January 1st of 1904. So a couple of years later. The friend who died, his name was Frederick also, and it was Frederick Pabst who, okay, from Pabst, okay, the beer. So um, William had never been the same after his son's death. Then his best friend died, and that sent him into like a further decline. Mm. On February 13th, 1904, a little over a month after his friend died, a servant in the mansion heard a muffled pop from William's bedroom. She summoned his sons. His door was locked. So she summoned his sons who broke down the bedroom door to find their father dead. Uh. He had shot himself. At the time of his death, the Lent Brewery was the third largest brewery in the country. My gosh. A year later, his widow, Julia, was diagnosed with cancer. Oh, my gosh. She battled the disease until 1906 when she died in the same bedroom where her husband had shot himself. 
At that point, Billy, William's son Billy, took over the Lent Brewing Company. Billy didn't exactly have the business sense or drive of his father. From what I can tell, he and his wife mostly just enjoyed being wealthy. Right. Lillian was nicknamed Lavender Lady because she had a particular fondness for lavender-colored clothing (laughs) and carriages. They said that she would even dye, like, the harnesses of her horses lavender. What? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I love a colored harness and lead rope. Yeah, but halter and lead rope on my horse, but... Lavender. All the time. All the time. Wow. The things that were said about Billy, basically, were he, you know, he had been born wealthy and was used to getting whatever he wanted, never really had boundaries. No one said no. Yeah. Apparently, he was a little bit of a player. The story goes that he would run the brewery by day and then party hard at night. Oh. He held parties in the caves... Oh, my God. Under the house. And he would bring in prostitutes to entertain his friends. And then. And then. There's a rumor that he fathered a secret child outside of his marriage. There's no official documentation that says that this child ever existed. But the rumor. With all his sexcapades. mm -hmm, And the rumor has persisted for like a century. The rumor is that the boy was born with Down syndrome Mm -hmm. and secretly lived his entire life hidden away in the attic of the mansion. I'll talk about this more in a minute, I guess. But, like, basically, in order to hide the fact that— He had an affair. Yeah, his infidelity, as well as the idea that he would have a son born with any kind of disability. Right. Hid him away. So, and before you think, oh, this is just some wild made-up thing, um, according to— Charles Lindbergh did it first. (laughs) According to St. Louis historian Joe Givens, he interviewed a former nanny and a chauffeur, two different people who had worked at the mansion, and both of them confirmed that the boy did exist Mm. and that he lived in the attic quarters above the servants' room. Oh, my gosh. Today, Uh this boy is reportedly one of the ghosts of the mansion. Mm. People claim to have caught glimpses of him in the attic windows. Christopher Gordon of the Missouri... Missouri? Missouri? (laughs) Oh, Mizzou. <laughs> it's like now I'm mispronouncing words I actually know. Missouri's so History Museum thinks it's just, and I'm sorry, the, the museum thinks this. <laughs> Christopher Gordon of the Missouri History Museum thinks it's just a tale <laughs> <laughs> that popped up because of the attitudes toward the mentally disabled at the time. So back in the early 1900s, eugenics was all the rage. And eugenics was the idea of having this perfect mm-hmm. genetic makeup like these perfect bloodlines right so families especially the well-to-do ones Mm -hmm. didn't want to be perceived as having impure bloodlines so hiding away family members with physical or mental disabilities in institutions or keeping them out of view in basements or attics was common wasn't kennedy's sister Mm -hmm. it's horrible yeah but and kennedy and lindbergh it wasn't unusual no yeah Another thing about this story is it seems like the story of the child ghost came first, and then people came up with an explanation for it, which is where this idea of the secret child became part of the war. Okay. So, Andrew Lemp Paulson, who is one of the last living descendants of the Lemp family, says the boy never existed. People think the Lemps were just suicides and ghosts, he says, but we weren't. We're a real family, and these were good people. To claim that they would do something like that to a mentally handicapped child is extremely insulting. Oh. Which is true. I would feel the same way Mm -hmm. if it were my family. Right. However, at the time, Mm -hmm. it would be 
Yep. Not, ex- it's not okay. It's not excused, but it's explainable. It'd be a lot different than someone doing it today. Today, everyone recognizes mm-hmm. that is horrible oh my gosh, and ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. But back then, he That's, didn't, yeah. you know? And again, not saying it makes it okay, mm-hmm. but I think trying to be like, they're good people, they never would have done that. No, it's questionable. Uh, okay. That's questionable. Kara. Yes, Megan. I have been seeing all over TikTok these hair straighteners. Ever since I got my hair cut, I still feel like I'm learning how to do my hair all over mm-hmm. again. Let me tell you, I have found one that works really well. It's um, from Tymo, uh-huh. T-Y-M-O. Yes. And it is the company for getting the best type of straightener for everything your hair could possibly need. It's all over social media right now with products from $59.99 to top of the line straighteners. Each of their products are built to last and have so many options for whatever your hair needs are. So Karen and I received a couple of the products. Oh my we gosh. got a so straightener exciting. and a blow dryer. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about the straightener because that's the one that I have used. It has a cordless design, which makes it so right. handy. You traveled with it. Yes. So it's great for getting a good hair reset on the go because it's so portable and convenient. It's called the Porta. It has this 3D comb design, which is enhanced by cutting edge MCH anionic technology. So you brush it through your hair, it straightens as it goes, and it pushes against this ceramic plate that gives a frictionless glide that promises to curb frizz by 50%. And I've totally seen that because my hair gets frizzy and this just really smooths it out. I really loved it. Okay, so I got the air hype. I'm obsessed with it. I have just like naturally curly wavy hair so it was a huge game changer for me it dries your hair in half the normal time and it keeps your hair safe and shiny which i noticed immediately mm-hmm. i didn't even need to straighten it afterwards and usually i do because usually i have all those wild like curls left over yeah. the wind power on this thing is intense it's wild like i turned it up i was like let's play with these buttons okay so it has three magnetic styling attachments they're all amazing you know how some blow dryers you get are like if you go to a hotel and there's a diffuser and you're like oh my gosh this is like tearing my hair to pieces and it's gonna be so tangled not with this one nice and it's magnetic so it's great so right now you guys our listeners can get 30 percent off their first order at timobeauty.com t-y-m-o beauty.com using the code WMM30. So that's just two M's. You guys know our codes usually have three. So just keep that in mind. So with so many great products to choose from, now's the time to upgrade your styling and curling kit. So go to tymobeauty.com and use the code WMM30 for 30% off your first purchase. Goodbye. Goodbye. Summer is the season of hot temperatures, outdoor adventures, and refreshing water activities. Summer is also the season of rough on your feet causing dry, cracked heels and toes. Introducing Babyfoot, the original exfoliation foot peel that contains 16 natural extracts formulated to remove dead skin cells in three easy steps. Apply the booties, relax for an hour, then wash your feet. In 14 days, you've got baby smooth skin and your feet have never been softer. Letting dead skin cells build up over time is hazardous to your foot health. Our professional-grade DIY products, like our original exfoliation foot peel, our men's foot peel, or our moisturizing mask, are some of the best foot care products on the market. Created with your foot health in mind. Pamper yourself with a spa day from the comfort and convenience of your own home with Babyfoot. If you want a chemical-free, easy-to-use exfoliating process from the company that created the original foot peel, it's time to treat yourself to Babyfoot. Go to babyfoot.com and use the code SUMMERFEET24 and get 20% off your first order with Babyfoot. That's babyfoot.com and use the code SUMMERFEET24. I still land on the idea that this kid probably never existed, but maybe that's just because I really hope. That someone wouldn't that do this that. didn't yeah. happen. Okay. But it's part of the lore. So we're I left we're it. Going, we're going with it. Billy and Lillian divorced in 1908. They did. With Lillian getting full custody of their only child, William the Third. Hmm. 
Lily had been the one to file for divorce, citing desertion, cruel treatment, and other indignities. So it was not an amicable separation. Lovely. Lovely. Billy went on to build a country home overlooking the Merrimack River and called the home Allswell. By 1914, Allswell was his full-time residence. Did it end well? (laughs) No. It did not. not. Remember, if the rumors are true... He is living full-time at Oswell, but that one son of his is still living in the house at the Lent Mansion in the attic. Okay. Now, while Billy was dealing with the running of the business and a crumbling family life, Mm -hmm. his sister Elsa, the youngest of William Sr.'s children, was dealing with the personal issues, not the personal issues, but with personal issues of Mm -hmm. her own. Okay. She'd married in 1910 and then divorced in 1919. They had gone through a miscarriage. He was not faithful. There were lots of issues. Okay. So she divorced in 1919, citing damage to her mental and physical health. Oh. After the divorce was granted, Elsa actually ended up reconciling with her ex-husband, and they got remarried Mm. in March of 1920. Mm. So 1919 divorce. 1920 marriage. Mm -hmm. And Mm. later that month. Baby in a baby carriage. Actually, 12 days after she remarried. Elsa shot herself oh, in shit. her bed at home. Not the Lent Mansion, though. She was not. Oh. She was at her own separate home. Jesus. While her husband was in the next room. <gasps> Upon learning what his sister had done, Billy Lemp said, that's the Lemp family for you. Which huh? just feels empty. Also, at this point, it's just William Sr. and her. Yeah. It's just the two of them. It's, you know. That's foreshadowing, but whatever. Okay. After Elsa died, the Lemps called their attorney, a doctor, and the coroner, but not the police. Apparently, two hours passed before the police were on the scene, and there are some people who believe that Elsa was actually murdered and her death had been made to look like a suicide. Ooh. A local film company in St. Louis actually made a documentary about this called Lemps Last Right, W-R-I-G-H-T, and that's because her last name at the time that she died was W-R-I-G-H-T. Okay. Frankie Cambaletta, one of the filmmakers, said, There's no blood at the scene of her death. When you look at this crime scene, everyone says, Where's the blood? It's a through and through bullet. Usually, if you get hit by a bullet and it gets gets stuck inside you, then the bullet kind of acts like a stopper, right? Mm -hmm. And there might not be a lot of blood. But if it goes through you, you would think there'd be blood. And if there's not any, that's going to raise some questions. Cambaletta also says the police report was riddled with inconsistencies. From failure to interview key witnesses to misquotes and flat-out incorrect information. And then Elsa's body, this is so strange to me. It wasn't moved from the bedroom to be embalmed. They embalmed her right there. (laughs) What? I don't know. And I'm like, is that some kind of weird practice that happened at the time? It also could have been... People were obsessed with this family. I'll get into it later. But, like, it could have been, like, a matter of they were worried that if they took her to have, you know, there might be press, there might be pictures, or that someone from the funeral home might do something. You know what I mean? They might have just wanted to protect her privacy or the family's privacy. But anyway, they embalmed her right there in in the room where she died, which people think is odd. So, same. Yeah. All of that is suspicious. And then there's her husband. His name was Thomas. Obviously, they had a rough relationship, uh-huh. divorcing and then remarrying. remarrying. Yep. And according to Cambaletta, Thomas had been sleeping with half the staff. Mm. And then after the divorce, Elsa had written her will and Thomas wasn't in it, which he was not pleased about because right. they were like the wealthiest family in St. Louis. Right. So after she wrote that will, then they rekindled the romance and remarried. And then she's dead 
12 days later. And Thomas got everything at that point because they were married. Mm. So it is not a huge leap to wonder if she was murdered. Right. However, the official cause of death is suicide. suicide. Okay. Anyway, the documentary does a deep dive into this, lots of investigative stuff. And Mm -hmm. it came out in March of 2020. So... You can probably find it somewhere. I tried to Google to see if it was streaming anywhere because I knew in the article I read, he talked about his goal was to get it on Netflix or something. Uh That hasn't happened yet. I don't know how long that kind of thing takes. Right. So, but I really love to watch it. Netflix, get on it. The Lent Brewing Company shut down in the early 1920s after taking a big hit when Prohibition began. Oh. They tried making a non-alcoholic beer. Didn't work. I mean, of course it didn't work. No. Non-alcoholic beer is terrible. But... And also, Billy just wasn't great at he he spent all this money renovating the mansion mm-hmm. and let like the equipment in the brewery kind of get in bad shape. Yeah. He didn't keep up with the times, and the other breweries did. So you know, a lot of right. a lot of things went wrong. Yeah. So the brewing company shut down without notice. Like workers just showed up, and there was a sign on the gate, and oh. they're like, "Oh, we're not working here anymore." Yeah, great. So the trademark was sold to Limp's friend Papa Joe. Papa Joe. Griezia Dick. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm sure that was right. Mm-hmm. And the brewery complex was sold at auction. I think it was sold for something like half a million dollars when it would have been worth like seven million before prohibition. Right. So quite, quite bad. And then, like we said, the Falstaff, when I said the trademark, I meant the Falstaff trademark. Okay. So that's why that one beer is yeah. still brewed today. Okay. On December 19th, 1922, Billy Limp dismissed his secretary from his office at the Limp Mansion and followed in his father's footsteps, shooting himself in his office in the same home where his father had died. Billy was 55. Jesus. I'm not even done. Oh, my gosh. In 1929, Charles, William Sr.'s third son, moved into the Limp Mansion seven years after Billy had died there. And this is the part where it finally hit me where I was like, why do they keep Moving into this. Yeah. Get the heck. Why do you want to go there? Even after. Yeah. So much. I get the family staying after Frederick died. Mm. The first death. Because it was your son and you just want to kind of hang on to whatever you've got. Yeah. I think once the father killed himself there, I'd be like, you know what? We 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 have a lot of money. We'll get a different house. So. Yeah. We can't do this anymore. And then now there's another one. And by this point, Charles has lost one brother to illness, his dad, his sister, and his His brother. brother. To suicide. Yeah. So. What? what? And he's just going to move right into the same house. And be okay. So he had not gone into the family brewing business. He found a career in banking and finance instead. Charles never married. And he lived alone in the mansion with his dog and two servants. Hmm. Charles had developed like obsessive compulsive behaviors to manage his extreme fear of germs. Oh. He wore gloves all the time. And it's during this time after Charles had moved back into the house that people believe Billy's son, the boy with Down syndrome who lives in the attic, passed away and was buried in the family cemetery plot with a small marker that just read limp. Hmm. For what it's worth, Richard Lay, the vice president of Bellefontaine Cemetery, which is where their plot was, he studied the limps for 30 years. And he says there are only 16 bodies in the limp mausoleum and each is accounted for. There's no mysterious grave marker. Okay. So if we believe him, and I don't know any reason not to, right? I just don't think this boy existed. Yeah. Okay. In 1941, Charles sent a letter to a local funeral home stating that in the event of his death, his remains should be taken by ambulance to the Missouri crematory. 
He did not want his body to be bathed, clothed, or changed, and he wanted his ashes to be put into a wicker box and buried on his farm. No funeral, no notice in the paper. Hmm. Eight years later, I mean, to me, it sounded like his death was imminent. In 19- Why would he send right. that letter? Right. Eight years later, in the room adjoining the room that Billy had shot himself in, Jeez. Charles shot himself. Oh, my gosh. After, uh-uh. I'm really sorry for this. Nope. He shot his dog. No, why? In the basement. No. Poor, poor baby. Charles left a dated note that said, in case I am found dead, blame it on no one but me. He was the only one who left a suicide note of all of these. Mm -hmm. And it's assumed that he did this because he knew there had been all this like speculation about the others. Right. And he just didn't want that with him. And he was just like, if I'm found dead, it's. it's I did it. The fact that in 1941, he sent that letter, I'm like, did he, in 1941, was he planning to do it then and he just kept putting it off? Or was it like, this is my family's legacy and I don't know what's going to happen, Yeah, but I'm going to go ahead and send this out. I mean, Mm -hmm. I I just think it's so sad to think in 1941, he sat down and felt a need to even send that that out. Yeah. So, well, at this point, Edwin Lemp was the last surviving son of William Sr., if you remember Louis, who um, had originally helped run the brewery with his father and Billy, Louis died in 1931, but of natural causes. Right. And then that just left Edwin. Edwin had worked at the brewery until 1913 before retiring to Cragwald, his own estate that he'd built overlooking the Merrimack River. So it's a different one than the one that Billy had Okay. Built. Cragwald had an observation tower, two servants' houses, and a collection of birds, antelope, sheep, yak, buffalo. Did I say sheeps? Sheeps. Sheep, yaks, buffalo, and other animals. I just got stuck on the antelope and yak. How big of an estate was this? Yeah. So Edwin was... Did they just like co-mingle? As you you can probably see, he was a big animal lover. He became kind of a recluse after he moved out there, Mm -hmm. but he was really involved in charitable causes, mainly the St. Louis Zoo. Edwin died of natural causes at 90 years old. Oh, my gosh. Leaving orders to destroy his art collection and family heirlooms. Why? Well, he was the end of the Limp family line. And there are some who believe that the only reason he lived this long is because he got out of that house. Mm. And I also feel like that has something to do with why he wanted the family heirlooms to be destroyed. Right. It's like he doesn't want either, that yeah, that family legacy was too sad. Yeah. And he didn't want it out there. Or if he thought like they were haunted, if and- it was cursed mm-hmm. and it could carry on through the physical objects. So he yeah. was just like, get rid of it. So his butler burned all of the paintings the limps oh had collected, gosh. which just kills me. Oh yes. God. As well as priceless family documents and artifacts. It all went oh. up in smoke in a big bonfire. Hmm. I can't imagine being Edwin at the end of his life looking back and thinking of all the sadness. I mean, he had a huge family. Yeah. And just about all of them died. Right. By suicide, which is the saddest yeah. thing. So if you're keeping track, that makes two natural deaths. Three, if you believe the child in the attic story. And the mom didn't I say in that the other? That's well, the second one. One died from the heart attack. So Frederick. Attack. Well, I'm talking about inside the house. Oh, oh sorry. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. So two natural deaths inside the house. Okay. Yeah. Three, if you believe about the yes. son. Yeah, yeah. And then three suicides that took place inside the Lint Mansion, and then one suicide that took place outside the mansion, 
if you believe that Elsa took her own life. Okay. For the record, like I said, her death has officially been ruled a suicide. So, yeah. Alleged, alleged. Alleged our opinions. Yes. Charles had been the last of the Lemp family to live in the mansion. After his death in 1949, it became a boarding house. Mm. And that's when the ghost stories started. Residents complained of ghostly knocks and phantom footsteps throughout the house. Witnesses said they saw a boy who asked for someone to play with him. Mm. Mm-mm. Talk of the hauntings made it harder for, to find tenants to stay at the boarding house, and the building began to decline. In 1975, the Porner family bought the mansion and began renovations to turn it into the restaurant and inn that it is today. Mm. And the Pointer family still owns it. Okay. So workers who did those renovations told stories of apparitions, strange sounds, vanishing tools, and the feeling of being watched. Many of them left the job site and refused to ever come back. Hmm. So once the restaurant opened, employees continued to report apparitions as well as voices and sounds out of nowhere. They said glasses, like, would be on the bar and they would just lift up and fly off. Oh, And the doors would lock and unlock on their own. Lights would go off and on by themselves. A lot of the original architectural details have been replaced, but there are a few things left in the house that are original to the home. Mm-hmm. There are the decorative iron gates that go to the open air elevator that went down to the caves. Those can still be seen from the basement. In the office where Billy died by suicide, the original Italian marble mantle still stands. Mm-hmm. And the main bathroom still holds a glass enclosed shower that William Sr. had brought back to St. Louis from Italy. Ooh. And I just think about being in that house and like touching oh, those things and being like, this, this was is, here. Yeah. When this family was alive. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, this whole family was wiped out. Yeah. Like, There are three areas of the mansion that are said to have the most paranormal activity. The stairway. Mm -hmm. So guests who stayed in the room where William Limp Sr. died say that they've heard the sound of someone running up the stairs and pounding on the door. Which, if you Uh, remember, that's what happened. Yeah. Yeah. The attic, where people say they've encountered the ghost of a little boy. Ghost hunters have left toys in the middle of the room and, like, drawn a circle around Mm -hmm. it to see if they've moved. And they'll come back the next day and they'll be moved. They've done a lot of stuff there to investigate. And then the third place mentioned to have lots of paranormal activity is that entrance to the caves below the mansion. The staff calls it the Gates of Hell, which seems like a okay. little much. But I couldn't find any specific stories. They're like, it's super haunted there. There were no okay, stories. What? Tell us what. But I'm like, it's the entrance to a huge hole in the ground. So it's, uh, I mean, you don't, have to, you don't really have to give me a story. I'm just no, curious what they are. We, we don't want to go <laughs> Overall, I read through a lot of accounts from people who have stayed there. Like they've, they're like, "Oh, I stayed here in 2014, and here's what happened to me." Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of feelings of being watched, overall feelings of just being creeped out, and lots of orbs and photos, strange smells, stuff right. being moved around. Right. You know, so I don't live in St. Louis, clearly. Yeah, in case you guys didn't know, we're in Kentucky, and I don't know what the general talk of the Lemp family is right around there right these days i know that i've never heard of them but maybe that you know i don't live there yeah but they were this incredibly wealthy family at one point they were kind of royalty almost like people were obsessed with them mm-hmm. whenever billy and lillian got divorced it was all people over the crazy. newspapers people would dress up and go to the court to watch the trial i mean what it was like some sort of reality show yeah and i guess that's what we do now to celebrities we get all obsessed with their personal lives it's very but- true I mean, they make shows out of it now. Right. And now there's this Lent Mansion where all of the paranormal lore is tied to it. And I just wonder, is the focus more on how they died rather than how they lived? Mm-hmm. Because, like, do people know the Lent name just because of that house? Or do they know all the other things, like right. the beer history and mm-hmm. 
they were newsworthy on their own. They didn't have to die right. in some sort of sensational way to make history. So yeah. we already talked about how William created the yeah. beer St. Louis. This, just, yeah, just the scene of it. Yeah, in like St. Louis. Adam introducing the idea of using the caves and then mm-hmm. William becoming like the first one to be nationwide mm-hmm. beer. And, you know, and they have a beer that's still brewed today. Yeah. Remember how Edwin was all into the St. Louis Zoo? Yeah. This one article I read was like, St. Louis wouldn't have the zoo without the Limp family. Oh, wow. It wouldn't have the beer culture <laughs> without the Limp family. Yeah. And Elsa, the youngest child whose death was kind of suspect, she left. I shouldn't say child. She was an adult when she died, but Mm -hmm. the youngest child of William Sr. She left $100,000 for the children's ward of Barnes Jewish Hospital when she Mm -hmm. died. And the article was like, she built that hospital. Oh. I don't know. I just, knowing. They left a legacy. Yes. Not knowing that they had made that kind of impact on their community. Just to think of how they all died. Yeah. It's so tragic. Oh my gosh, yeah. So the idea of... Come spend the night and dine with the spirits. Yeah. Don't call them the spirits. Like, they're the limp family. Yeah. Yeah. And also... And it's just so sad. You're taking advantage of their tragedy. Yeah. And I don't know. Then I started really thinking about that. And I was like... We do that all the time. <laughs> we do. That's what we do for a living. We tell these stories. But, but I, like I, I hope that, that we, we are bringing... Yeah. I'm not trying to make these stories... Right. Yeah, I'm not trying no. to exploit other people's We're trying pain. to bring their stories to life to people that may not have heard of them before. Yeah. And you and I do make jokes to each other, but not about the Well, and that's the how victims. we stay sane. Right. But I just think, don't call them the spirits. Don't say, no. come dine with the spirits. I'm going to wrap this up with, if you or someone you know exhibits warning signs of suicide, you can call the U.S. National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. Or visit suicidepreventionlifeline.org. Mm-hmm. If you need that, reach out yeah. to someone. Tell Mental health is so important. Don't be alone. No. You know? Because you're not. There's no shame in it. You may feel it. You're not. It's been a rough couple of years for a whole lot of people, which is why I tried to really nail down that trigger warning at the beginning oh my of this gosh, episode. Yeah. Um, I almost thought I'm going to wait and not do this episode yet, but I mm-hmm. mainly I just wanted to be like, Let's learn more about the Limp family besides how they died. So Yeah. They had a lot of history. (sighs) Yeah. So if you live around St. Louis, go tell everybody you know about the other things that they they did. Yeah. And And even if you don't live around St. Louis, go tell everybody. Of the the caves and stuff. Yeah. Now, that's not to, like, insult any of you who've gone there and been there. I would go visit, too, if I was there. I want to see those caves. They said that some years they'll have, like, Halloween parties down in the caves. And it would be, like, such like a, a perfect place. down there. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mind the idea of a haunted house. I don't mind the right. idea of whatever. Right. I just think maybe instead of come down with the spirits, let's just let's talk about them. who the family is. Yeah. And maybe they do more of that than I know. I Learn hope, the history I hope and they, they may do. visit us while you're here. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. There's Soapbox. my lecture. Soapbox Silva. <laughs> we love you. So much, guys. Thank you all for listening mm-hmm. every week. Mm-hmm. Yep. If you have any story ideas for us, you can find all of our contact info in the show notes. Yep. We'd love for you to join the Facebook group, Patreon. Yep. All of that is in the show notes. All the things. And don't forget, there's new Patreon stuff starting February 1st, and we're (laughs) really excited about it. Yep. Okay. We love you so much, guys. Goodbye. Goodbye.